Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Drink it in Drink it in, man. Detroit Kool-Aid, what's going on, everybody? We are back, and this is normally the time where I give Grifka the big introduction, and he tells you he's stoked to be back or something like that, but I got a big bone to pick with Grifka today. Grifka, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, folks that are out there listening, this is the first time me and Grifka have chatted since Sunday and uh, it stems from a, a text chain that we're on. Me and a few buddies will uh, text back and forth between the games. So we're not going to do news and notes. We're not going to mess around. But Grifka, we're going to have to hash this out. So I have a few text messages I'd like to read uh, pretty much verbatim to let the people know what occurred. Um, so will you bear with me for a moment while I get through this, and then me and you will argue and hash this out here in a moment? Okay. So, folks that are listening, what happened on Sunday is the game kicked off about 4.05. Our Lions start playing the San Francisco 49ers Um, game. You know, we get off to a decent uh, start with Kenny G scoring a touchdown and team playing okay. And then we start, uh, you know, having some struggles in the run game and whatnot. But let me read you these texts. So, at 4.54... So that's got to be like second quarter, maybe in the first quarter. One of our buddies writes, man, the D D needs to step up. Grifka, and I quote, good luck with that. And then later I write, that's freaking embarrassing after the Matt Breida touchdown. Grifka replies, not really, not for this Lions defense. 6.33, he writes, Lions suck. Long year, boys. 648, Grifka replies again. Lions are making the San Francisco running back look like a Hall of Famer. And then I write, uh, <laughs> this is a little bit later. This is uh, when we're down. Uh, I think they had just scored. Maybe it was 30 or whatever. I write, um, we're going back and forth. I write, we're about to win this. And right after... Jamal Agnew scores a touchdown, which is called back. Grifka replies to that, yeah, they suck. Right after that, I have Grifka saying, excuse me for going up. Hold on. Let me read this a little bit better here on my scribble that I wrote down. I'm a little frustrated with you, Grifka. Uh, So at at 7.39, this is after uh, the Lions almost come back, win the game. We're going back and forth. He's saying the Lions suck. I feel like he's quit on the team. I'm yelling at Grifka. We're going back and forth. Grifka writes, excuse me for giving up when the ship had just hit the iceberg. 
and I just told him we didn't hit a damn iceberg. This is like Grifka, you had jumped off the boat before it barely even left the dock. I mean, in this ball game, the Lions did not play great, but they did not play terrible as they did Monday night when we were there in person. They did come back as I said they would which, again, we've seen that story before. They almost won that game and probably should have, if not for a bad call, which we'll get into. Um, and instead, you're saying that they hit an iceberg and they're sinking, and I put, as opposed uh, to waiting until it's completely over. Or, like, to me, you cannot quit on our football team. You can't be on the Detroit Kool-Aid cast and, like, the minute something goes wrong, go into this hypersensitive, this team's terrible, I, I, I hate this team, I'm, I'm never going to watch it anymore. I mean, what's going on? Talk to me. Uh, so just as soon as something goes wrong, uh, I believe, like, uh, they were, like, getting – ran over again that defense when I put, uh, you know, yeah, they suck. And, it's game uh, two. It's game two, against, Griffith. You did, I'm sorry, you did this game one, game, too. Their, it was their second easiest game of their first quarter of the season, and they lost it. Says who? You they, said they had no chance going west. Remember, it's an automatic loss. So I feel they played well going did they, out did there they win? for the most part. Like I told you, oh, you forgot to mention this text I sent to you. Please show me the they, you know, at least they played hard column in the on the sports page, and tell me how many, tell many of the, tell me how many of the at least they played hard gets them into the playoffs. It's not, it's it's L's and W's. That's what it is. It doesn't it doesn't say they lost, but they played really hard and they fought back in the fourth. And for a bad call, they would have made it. It doesn't matter. It's still a loss against a team that, you know, on paper, they should have been better than. I'm sorry. They're running back. Brita? I mean, who is this guy? And, like, yeah, they give up, what, a couple 20-yard gashes, then he busts off a 66-yard touchdown run? I mean, don't give me this crap. It's, oh, we should have hope. Oh, and, oh, and Matt Patricia's like, this first part's a learning process. And, you know, come December, the last quarter of the year, we'll be world beaters. You know, come on already. I mean, they were playing like total garbage, hot garbage, and they got back into it because, one, San Francisco sort of took their freaking foot off the pedal and just started running the ball. And when you know that's all they're going to freaking do, it's easier to stop. I mean, that's all there's to it. Would they have been better if, what, on Agnew's punt return, that if, like, two guys decided not to block the guy's back of their jersey? I mean, yeah, sure. But, like, just as soon as it happened, he breaks the first one. The announcer's like, oh, there's a flag on the field. And he's running out. Oh, there's another one. Because two, at two different spots. I mean, you've seen referees throw the flag at the same penalty. No, they had two separate blocks in the back on that play. I mean, the team's undisciplined. The defense is terrible. So, yeah, excuse me for jumping ship on their second easiest game of their first quarter. They should have. What You know, they should have went out there and won. But no, they didn't. They're 0-2 against the two easiest teams on their first quarter. That's all there is to okay. it. Okay, and here, here's my uh, here's my reply. Is that first of all, let's go back to what you said about when you said the, the, oh, they tried hard column or they almost won. My reply to that was, yeah, I'm not happy with their performance. Yes, I'm not happy with the loss. And no, I'm not giving them points for, oh, you almost did it. But what I'm saying is it's absolutely ridiculous and inexcusable for you as a 
fan, a Lions fan your whole life, a guy on this podcast to in the first, second quarter, whenever it was, to just be uh, jumping chips, saying they suck, quitting on the team. There was so much more football to play, and I wish they would have won that game so I could have shoved it up your face because you've done this multiple times where, like, you'll just on him or you'll just say, oh, this, this guy's terrible, and he has, like, a couple bad games. It's like, I'm sorry, did he play 16 terrible games at Grifka? Does he have two or three years worth of terrible experience? You've seen me tip my cap when somebody's – proves to be terrible over a long period of time but you don't see me after we draft a guy and he has three or four bad games oh he's terrible he's a, he's a he's a bust and that's what you do all the time so like we got to either get this fixed or you got to explain it to me where it makes sense because to me it's just the same old lions mentality that i went off on last week which are all these people that hey they lose a couple bad games and you know you jump on the radio you jump on wherever and you start saying oh lost season three four wins when like that's that's the same people that when we start winning or when they do win oh man they got their jersey flapping they're all about this team you got to pick a side man like i hang in there with them regardless and then i also acknowledge yes they're not playing great football yes they might lose the next few games the way they're playing and because they're getting everything revamped but you don't hear me say i'm quitting on the team or this team sucks or like we're playing you know when there hasn't been a big enough sample size to even go there. Like, it was just crazy to me that you went to that extreme, and I've seen it before. So okay. it was just frustrating. Okay, okay. Um, I, I see your point, but um, like I said, you picked and choose, like, some of the text that we had during this whole conversation. And not to mention, you just mentioned it, you know, Lions fan my whole life. I mean, you make you, you pick at me for, like, bringing up all these old guys and, you know, you tried to tell me on the last podcast that Jerry Rice wasn't a dog. Okay, let's put it this way. I remember watching Billy Sims run. I tell, I tell fans like you that have been around since, like, Matt Millen that don't remember the, like, I mean, the, I mean we went 0-16. And I remember years where you were, like, we were, like, 2-14. and 14. I mean, I remember the year that they beat the Steelers on Thanksgiving, and that was like one of their three wins. You know, I mean, it's it's stuff like that that I remember. So, you know, I remember all those lean years. I remember being, you know, as a kid, being hyped when the kid when they were on TV because there were so many like half their games were always blacked out because they were sitting in an eighty-two thousand seat stadium at the Silverdome, and they could only draw like sixty-four thousand fans. So you had to wait for a road game to be on TV. I mean, I remember that stuff. So when I remember all those lean years where their backfield was Gary James and James <sighs> Jones, I remember when their best wide receiver was Jeff Chadwick. I remember being stoked when they when they when they drafted Chuck Long and his first pass was a touchdown to Leonard Thompson against Tampa Bay. So for you to sit here and chastise me over my fandom about watching so many lean years and being hyped all those years and giving them so much credit, the Barry Sanders years, every other year they'd miss the playoffs. I mean, come on. I mean, for me to sit here and get hyped with them every year and like, oh, Matt Pat said he's leading us to the next level. They lose the first game to, to the Jets, who, by the way, who lost to the Dolphins at their home opener. They ran up, what, 41 points on the Lions, and they scored 12 against the Dolphins at home, their home opener. So let me finish because you, you, got your yeah, tir- go you got your tirade. Oh, and so go like, you want me to explain it, why I'm so quick to jump ship when I have so much. Oh, I have all the promise in the world every year. Man, me, me and you go through it. What's your record this year? 11 and 5, 12 and 4. You know, they win all these games. They win half on the road. This is what they should be. No, there's there's 
I'm watching a team get ran over by just junk running backs. I'm watching a team that their wide receivers on like like very average wide receivers on the other teams are just running free in the defensive backfield. That's that's what I'm seeing. And you're seeing undisciplined football. And like all of us, oh, we're going to go work hard. We're going to get this. How often are we going to start to hear that? I mean, don't get me wrong. Is he going to bring his pick and his shovel as well? So for you to sit here and chastise me over my fandom, giving up the ship so quick. Like I said, man, I used to get worked up like you all the time, man. Be so mad, be so angry. And all it did was ruin my weekend. Excuse me if I've got to the point where it's just like, man, I've seen so much bad football. It just becomes apathy after a couple games. It's just like, where's this, this defensive guru genius coach comes in. And just is just getting ran by by very average teams. So, excuse me for like, okay, I'm not gonna get worked up again, you know. And like, where my blood pressure and I can just you can feel the veins just pulsing in my neck, and you know, have such a tension headache, you know, come come Sunday evening from watching the Lions. Okay, so. Like I said, I remember the real lean years where it's just like when I was a kid and I'm like, this team's going to be good. And then you look back at it and they're terrible. So when you get all this hype, you're like, we're going to be good. We got this. We got this. Boom. You know, it's just like, yeah, it does turn into a lot of same old lions. Go ahead. Can I go now? Thank you. Feel free. Uh, Here's the thing, Griska. What frustrates me the most is what you just said. You go so far back with this team. And you've seen it all. And we were on this podcast probably a month ago. And we're running through the schedule. Got these wins. You got this positive vibe. We are in week two of an NFL season. And you have completely flipped. You've completely given up on everything Lions for the most part. I know you're still going to watch the game. I know you're still going to hope that they win. But, like, you have no good vibes going with this team at all. And and to me, when you went through your big history of you being a Lions fan, it's the same as when I listen to the guy in sports radio call up and the first thing he says is, Hey, I'm, my name's Tim from uh, Farmington, and I'm 57 years old. I've been watching this team for 40 years, and they never win anything, so they'll never win. Like, that's the kind of garbage. Like, didn't I say it verbatim a few shows ago that, like, what is this garbage about, oh, we've never won in 50 years, so that just means we'll never do it. Like, then, then why even show up? Why even watch a game? Why even root for the team? Why even do anything if, if the last 50 years are going to base the next 50? That makes no sense whatsoever. So your big history of, oh, I suffered through and, and that's why I quit on. Like, to me, that's the reason you shouldn't quit because you are a diehard. You have been hanging in there with this team. <clears throat> you were positive three weeks ago and now two NFL regular season weeks and a few crappy pre better went by. And you just... I mean, this team's an expansion team to you. Like, to me, I'm a realist, too, of saying I saw, wow, they might have a struggle the next few games. It may be a rough overall year. I'm not denying that. You you give me the rose-colored glasses line. Oh, that I just think, yes, I go into every game thinking they're going to win. I go into every season positive. And then when a few things go wrong, I start to curve some of my opinions. I start to kind of – but I don't – I don't flip the script totally. Like, if they continue to lose, I'll come on here and say, man, you know, this is getting rough. Or, man, so I've seen this guy for five, six, eight games now. He's not cutting it. But I'm not going to do it after one or two games, which I feel like you've done in the past and I've done now. 
And then you just got to get off this history, man. No one cares about all these like beat downs and all this sadness from years ago. Like I've heard that from so many piss poor Lions fans over my lifetime. So it's like, wait, 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 hey, wait, wait. You wait, can wait, either live in the wait, past wait, wait, wait. or you can live you right said, now. You said Go no ahead. one cares. Who's no one? Who's no one cares? Yeah, like you say, you are just lumping like people that have just known depression and agony with this team together. You know, sorry for us guys that just jump off the back when when you when you feel like you're sold a bill of a bad bill of goods. Oh, this will be totally different. He's taking us to the next level. When is the next level? When are we going to see that? We were supposed to see the next level with Marty Morningwig. We were supposed to see the next level with Jim Schwartz. We were supposed to see the next level with you know was it uh. The, the pick and shovel guy, Rod Marinelli. Everything was supposed to be the next level. I mean, that's that's guys. You know, we've been hearing that for years. I mean, and it's always the same thing. Well, so the owner change. You know, sell the shit. The, you know, face it. The Fords are never going to sell. They're not going to. Uh, I didn't. I didn't say any of this. I don't care about ownership. I don't care about all this. Uh, so, will there ever this, be a point? Will there ever man? be a point where you're just like, yeah, it's the same. We, we we've heard that. Uh, we've heard this story before. I mean, it's the same story you hear over and over again. Uh, the difference between me and you and the difference between, like, me and other Lions fans out there is no matter what, I'll be there still hoping, rooting, like, being there positive, hoping that, and waiting for this team to turn it around. And when they do, I'll be excited about it, where you and others are leading down that path where I don't even know what, what the point is. Like, what's the point of, of caring and watching and rooting if you're just like, oh, this guy and this guy and this guy failed and this they're never going to sell the team, so it's never going to be different? Then you should have given up long ago, right? Like, I'm I'm just to that point where no matter what, they could go, they could go two wins this year. I'm still going to both find some positives, I'm going to critique some negatives, and I'm going to be hopeful next year. And if it happens again, I'm going to be again. And people say, oh, that's just a loser mentality. That's just a – no. To me, that's being a true, true fan and all this flip-flopping and, oh, I love the team. Oh, wait, they played a couple of bad games. Oh, they suck. Oh, wait, they're good again. They won a few. Oh, never mind. I saw they're terrible again. It's got to go, man, and it's got to go from you and it's got to go from a whole lot of other people in this city because it's just ridiculous to see people flip-flop when you know they're going to be at the parade. You know they're going to be there when they're winning. You can just look people in the face and go, you said you were diehard. You said you are always there, and all you really did was be there in the good times when they were winning, or you, you suffer through all these losing times and you got that loser mentality and you finally quit. Like, and I don't want to see Grifka quit, but I'm hot right now because Sunday when you said they quit, I quit, they suck, this team's terrible. To me, that was just like when we get to the get in, get out, it was like, well, then get out because that's not like that's not a true fan or that's not who I thought you were. And that, that pissed me off. Well, like I said, for you to sit here and like critique my fandom and all the people I've like suffered a number of years you know, through this that keeps getting sold, you know, the same bill of goods, like, oh, we're, you know, new mentality, you know, new era, you know, all this stuff. And, it's, and, it, and it falls back to, like, taking another two, three steps back, you know, for, like, any progress. Don't get me wrong. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Jim Caldwell was the greatest coach in the world. That's not what I'm saying at all. And I'm not even saying, you know, I'm, you know, I'm not one of those guys, like, we need to bring him back. That's, I'm not saying that at all. But you were supposed to bring in a guy to get you to the next level, you know, and right now the two easiest games that they started with, you know, they finally showed up in the eighth quarter of the year. Okay. I mean, so, so what, you know, when they play new England coming up, I mean, you'll be okay if they just get, if, if they get their, their, their butt handed to them, 
you know, and then what then they play like at Dallas, you know, Dallas isn't a world beater. I mean, it's a possibility. And then they come home and play, you know, Green Bay, you know, so like I said, I'm not going to be okay with it, but I'm not going to quit. And I'm also not going to like when they lose, if they lose and get their beat on uh, on Sunday against Minnesota, you're not going to see me turn the clock back to 2002 and say, oh, remember when they lost all those games? Remember in 08 when they were undefeated? Oh, man, I've had enough. Like they just keep keep losing from 08 to now. I just can't deal with it. You're not going to hear me say that, man. You're not, and I don't think you get credit for years of, of quote-unquote, suffering through. You were a fan then. You should be a fan now. Okay, you had some losses. You had some tough years. You can either quit or you can keep rooting on this team. What's it going to be? Well, That's what I want to know. I never wish for the Lions to lose. Let's put it that way. So when you start reading people saying start losing and get a better draft pick, I have never done that. I mean – I have never done that. I always want them to win, no matter what. No matter how bad the season is, where it's at, I always want them to win. It so, didn't sound like you wanted them to win in the second quarter when you started texting. I say, them, oh, they no. got no chance. They suck. They're terrible. So, like, that didn't sound like you, you were, you were rooting them on. Sometimes you want to be realistic. You say you, you, you scoffed at me for saying rose-colored glasses. But, yeah, sometimes you've got to be realistic when your team's not as good as the other team they're playing. I mean, so, the so stuff, what's your retort this, back? If they win that game, they win after you said they were terrible and couldn't win in the second quarter, and they win it in the fourth quarter, what are you going to say then? I'm gladly, I'll gladly eat crow. That doesn't bother oh, me at all. Gosh. Oh boy! So you got both. You got both sides covered. Oh boy! Oh, laugh this about. Is... Okay, so 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 Sunday when New England's up thirty-eight to seven at halftime, you know, so I'm supposed to sit, you know, thirty-one points down. Let's look. You know, what are we going to do? Like when we were sitting at the Jets game, and it starts the fourth quarter, and you're like. Gosh, Griff, uh, what do you think we should, you know, uh, take out of this fourth quarter? I looked at it and go, who cares? Who cares? You're, you're That's not because developed. you had quit in the third quarter, and you're, I hung yeah, in they there threw until up 31 the unanswered points. I mean, they put through so, up, the the, and jet, that's the, thing. the Jets threw up 31 points. That's the difference. You you quit and wanted to leave, and I made you stay there an extra quarter because I wanted to just see it out a bit more. And then when, when they were really getting whooped in the fourth, and it was just there was nothing else to do, I said, "Hey, we can go now." Like, like I'm not opposed to if they get beat by a ton of points against the the Patriots, saying, "Wow, that's three in a row now." And man, they didn't look any better. But I'm not going to say that they can't win and they don't look better until they play this football game, until they play the next one, and then I'll give you my honest reaction. But until then. I'm going to think, hey, maybe they'll bounce back. Maybe they'll get things together. Maybe Stafford can win a game for us at home on a big night game. Like, like Griff, could, we got we to gotta break down this game a little bit. But, like, all I'm saying in this whole argument and for the people out there listening, my biggest frustration is the, oh, man, this team, you know, I got them for 12 wins in the predictions, which was three, four weeks ago. After two terrible games, oh, man, they'd be lucky to win three, four games. Or they're just absolute garbage. It's like. To me, that's not, like, consistent, and that's not, like, staying with your beliefs. Yeah, you can skew them a bit and say, okay, maybe 12 was a little rough. You know, this team's going to have a rough start now because I can see it. They played a few games. But to do this flip-flop or when I sit with you at the games and three plays go bad and you just, like, I hate this team. They're, you know, that, that player is absolute garbage. It's like, hey, Grifka, he's a rookie. It's his, it's his first game in the NFL. Oh, it doesn't matter. He's no good. He's, he can't catch or whatever. Who have it's I like, done that to? He, these crazy remarks that you just go from extreme to extreme. And I'm telling you, like, who have I done that if, to? And I, who have I done that to where it's a rookie saying, oh, he dropped this many? You know, 
like I said, I if I've been I've been down on him from the jump on a rookie. You know, Eric Ebron, Nick Fairley, you know, I, I mean, what? I've told you on draft night, you find, go back, find those picks where I'm like, I hated that pick. Lakin Tomlinson, you know, I just, I hated those picks. I've told I've been on it from the jump, you know, so. Okay, there's plenty uh, of times when I've sat right next to you and you've, you've chastised some of our good players just because they made a couple bad plays, a couple offsides, a couple, oh man, you know, this this team just they're they're awful and it's like this it's like quarter one and I'm looking at you going there's 12 minutes to go in the first quarter Grifka what are you talking about like there's a lot more football to play and then they'll like start playing well it's like all right let's go you know like I just want you to either I mean you could do whatever you want I mean, like say you think I'm chastising you what I'm trying to say is like like yes I haven't been a Lions fan as long as you but I've been a pretty long time fan and I feel like I've been pretty consistent uh, with my fandom and also skewed towards the positive, but I've also called a spade a spade when needed, or, you know, I'm not going to have them win three games, go, Oh man, they're playing excellent. This is, a, this is awesome. But there's always things to look for as a, as a, as a fan and not somebody that's just like, Oh, they went four and 12. I'm quitting on this team or I'm going to go root for the Steelers now. Or, Oh, you know, uh, I've had enough because I lost the last 10 years or 20 years, however long it's been for you. Like, you know, I just, I, I'm going to quit on my team. And that's what I had the biggest issue with was I felt based on the text and based on the, the overall thing that we were two games into a 16 game year, a new head coach, a new scheme, all this new stuff going in. And instead of letting it play out for at least half the season before you give like a real review, you were just done based on a one game and like a couple quarters you were done. And like, if they lose the next five, it's not going to justify your opinion that, Oh, See, I told you, Okri, this team is hot garbage. I'm just going to look at you and go, like, you know, you can't find anything positive or you can't, like, come along with this team. And, like, you're on this podcast with me because you're one of my best friends that have been a true Lions fan. So I just want you to, like, don't quit. Hang in there. That way, when they do start winning, you can reap the rewards instead of me looking at you and go, Grifka, wasn't it 2008, 2009, 2018 when you just said, I'm done, this, is, this team sucks? Like, why are you here now with your shirt on at the parade? Like, I don't want to be that to you or to a lot of other people, but to a lot of other people, it's it's really justified. And, like, I just felt like Sunday was a real tick where I didn't want you to go any farther in that direction. Like, I need you to be there in the good, the bad, and I know you have been, but you just got to hang in there, man. It's a long season, and they're building something, so I'm going to hang in there. Well, I mean, that's just me. If, if, if we were told this was going to be a rebuild, I could understand that. I really could. Because, yeah, we've come off plenty of crap years. Ron Marinelli, Marty Morningwig, Steve Mariucci, where they get, they get axed like, okay, we gotta, we got to put a new team together. You know, we got to do this. But, you know. It's not a GM, rebuild. It's, it's week three. Like, I just don't want to go through that again. Like, no one's calling this a rebuild. No one's saying – I'm not even predicting that they're going to have an awful year. I'm saying they're going to have some tough games coming up, and it's week three. Calm the hell down and let's see this thing out a little bit more before you make these rash opinions that – come off of one okay. run by Matt Burita, which we need to talk about. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's, okay. Let's, like I said, I, I know, I, I know we've talked, I know I've said this before and it always makes you laugh, but reasonable minds can differ. <laughs> I knew that would, uh, that would end the, uh, end the argument, but people, you saw some raw emotion there for me and Grifka, two passionate Lions fans and different opinions at times on things, but um, Grifka, are you still going to do the show, or are you going to quit? 
Oh no, man! I'm still here for that. Oh, good. We love, we, doing, we, love we, doing the show. We need you here for the Kool Aid Cast, but uh, people, this probably will not be our last fight that we have, where uh, we differ. But hopefully, uh, the team will get it turned around. And uh, like you say, we're trying just to got to hang in there. And uh, Grifka is a good buddy of mine, and I just kind of had to had to call him. But he's right. This team has not played well through a couple games, and and we got some tough teams we need to get turned around. So Grifka. I want to take a little time and we'll, we'll talk about some of the main topics that happened in this game in San Francisco and move forward. Yeah, let's, uh, let's break down this game. All right, buddy. So the Lions flew out to San Francisco, and we knew it was going to be a West Coast trip, as Grifka says, automatic loss. Um, but I thought, you know, that San Francisco had some injuries, wasn't that good. You know, Jimmy G, we still don't really know what his ceiling is. So this game kicks off, drives by the Lions, uh, incredible uh, break in coverage. Kenny Kenny Galladay, man, just sprints off the line. No one no one covers him. Matt Stafford puts the ball on him, and man, he turns like a spinning top and somehow contorts himself and dives and, and gets to the pylon. Uh, what were you thinking about that Kenny G touchdown? That was pretty sweet. Was it after that? I saw I watched the highlight a couple times because uh, um, I love how like a play like that, or a player makes a play and actually. They focus on him during the whole thing. And if you watch that play, I don't know, I'm assuming you went back and watched the game a couple times. Find that play again, and Kenny G just runs a great route. What he does is um, he comes off the line and he fakes like, because the whole play is set up to make it look like it's going to be a run play. And he comes off the line and looks like he's going to block. So the safety bites down. The cornerback, who's supposed to be guarding him, sees that and takes like one or two steps in. And by the time he, you know, and he's, and he's looking into the backfield at the play action. So once he realizes it's the pass, Kenny G's got five yard separation. He's beyond him. That's that's a great play. It really is. Now, no, like I said, you go back watch that because I've seen it a couple times since then. And he just runs a gate. Uh, he runs a great route. The way he sold that was was amazing. So if he keeps developing that way, I mean, that that's great. He's he could he could turn into like you know probably you know one of the top 10 15 wide receivers in the league just by making catches like that and running routes like that selling selling a run play when you know it's a pass that was it is it's like i said go back find it and just focus on him and watch yeah. him do that it's it's a great route yeah sounds like you've come my way quite a bit on him cuz like he's had two good games now but like I've just seen the way he's went up and got the football, the way he's run after catch, even like they had a big thing on him about how he, uh, you know, how he's blocking in the run game. And I agree with you. I did see it a couple of times and he just really sold his blocking. It works if you do block beforehand, if you're just one of those wide receivers that doesn't want to put your hands on anyone, you know, it's not going to be a big deal, but he did sell as if he's going to come down and, and block down on either the, uh, you know, it was a corner that might've been a back or two that was coming over that side. And then when they bit, and the safety, like you said, he just sort of took off. And and to me, it was one of those ones where finally, like, a free player, Matt Stafford, didn't loop it. He didn't, like, overthink it. He just sort of put it right on him. And he did sort of turn him around. But, I mean, it was just crazy how he was able to keep his feet in. And, and I was just yelling, oh, he got the pylon. But I wasn't sure about his feet, but he just kept him in. So that was an absolutely great play to get us off to a nice start. Um, but, unfortunately, as we would soon learn, like, uh, you know, that was kind of the highlight there for the beginning of the football game. Uh, first, probably two and a half, maybe even quarters worth. Uh, we got to talk about some of these rough spots, man. Uh, Grifka, Matt Stafford, rolling out. I mean, no one's available. The play has been way over. He's out of the pocket. He's near the sideline. 
I don't know what he's doing, but he just starts fumbling around with the ball and then puts it on the turf and fumbles. I mean, to me, absolutely inexcusable. Like, I don't even see a reason. Like, I don't think he was that pressured. He could have easily dumped it out of bounds, could have easily just went down at that point. He's got to know when these plays are over. Like, that's a huge play in the game that just absolutely terrible by our quarterback. Yeah, that's uh, that's really like, – we talk about just trying to do too much, you know, trying to make a play, and he just, I think, just lost concentration of, like, having the football in his hand, to be honest with you. I mean, like you said, there was, like, it, the clock's in his head. It's going off. He's been hit a few times this year. And it's one of those things he's just, like, trying to – he's looking downfield to try to make a play, and he just almost kind of, like, loses, you know, his head of, like, I still have the ball in my hand, you know, just, like – boop and he just loses it you know so that was that's that's one of those plays just like it makes you it, it's plays like that that keeps Stafford from being an elite guy it's always because you know other than you know myself but you know people around the league other reporters commentators you know they, they don't look back and see like him throwing the pass to you know you know Kenny G they look back at that and you know the highlight is going to be him fumbling the ball on that play where nobody's around him you know, it's it's something like that that people remember about him. So, I mean, he knows he's got to clean stuff up like that. But every once in a while, he seems to pull he pulls something like that and just leaves you scratching your head. Yeah. I mean, we got we got some more to talk about and get through on this episode. But like to me, it continues to happen too much. And like, I think it was two years ago where he really cleaned up not only the turnovers, but I feel like he was really working the you know the checks of the line and making some big strides there. I feel like he's taken some steps back and, uh, you know, we can't, Neil, you know, he needs to clean it up. You got to get it cleaned up. I mean, we shouldn't be saying that every couple of weeks that he has these dumb mistakes. Now, do I mind a ball going in between trying to fit a ball in when he needs to, or a tip pass here? No, but these, these terrible turnovers, this happy feet, this no pocket presence, I'm getting sick of it. And like, I want to talk about it on another episode, Grifka, but just think about this because we got to tackle this topic at some point. To me, Matt Stafford has lost the mojo, the moxie, as I call it, the ability that he had earlier in his career where he was jumping around with his teammates. He was slinging the ball all over. Like, he's he's too mechanical now in my book. But, yeah, has to clean everything up and talk for a minute about those topics. But just offense looks bad for three quarters again. Like, I'm so sick of this crap. Like, you know, to me, I mean – we barely had the Kenny G and a little bit of run game. They're the only bright spots and for three quarters. And we light it up in the fourth. Like this has to be scheme. It has to be play calling. It has to be the quarterback, not like getting this team going early because it's happening all the time. And like, it's not a coincidence anymore. Right. I think part of it is where, uh, they, you know, they become so urgent in that fourth quarter. And they're just able to get into a groove. You know, they play a little quicker. You know, stuff is, it's its like one of those things where if you have time to think about it, you start to overthink it. But like when you're just doing stuff by reaction, you know, and just, you know, muscle memory, it just, boom, boom, you know, it's, it's just there. It's quick. It, it looks, it looks crisp, you know, because it's almost like you're not overthinking it. And that seems to be what's happening. Uh-huh. They're like overthinking it. And then I always hear people say like, I mean, they asked, you know, um, Chris Spielman during the game, during the fourth quarter when they were starting to look better. You know, the the other commentator was like, well, how come they don't do that the whole game? 
and Chris Spielman's like, well, you know, if you do that the whole game and you start going three and out, you know, four, five, six plays and out, your defense is going to be on the field an awful lot and going to be very tired come the fourth quarter. So, I mean, those are just like those quick, you know, if you, you know, you're trying to play fast and you got three quick plays and your defense has only been off the field for like a minute or two, they have to run back out there. Um, you, you can't do that. I mean, it's not college where you can rotate so many guys and you only got, you know, what, 53 guys dressed, you know, so you, you, you can't really do that. So I understand you know why you can't do that but even if maybe they started off the first quarter like that you know you know fine you know just tip your you know dip your toe in your first drive but then your second drive go out there pop 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 you know it's like you almost got to try something to get in the groove to get some confidence going and i'm not talking quarterback confidence you always hear like these easy passes to get him in the groove stafford's been around long enough he doesn't need to be doing check down charlie running these like little five yard out passes to you know get his completion up to make him feel good about himself he should be way past that right you know so you know, he's, you're right. It's got to be one of those things where, like I said, maybe the first your first drive, fine, dip your toe and go a little slow. Your next drive out there, go try jamming it down their throat. I mean, I, I don't know. But yeah. you're right. That definitely has to pick up somewhere. Let's, uh, let's maybe in our next episode when we talk about the Patriots game, let's talk a little bit more about that moxie, though, because I feel like he's a different player those first few years under Swartz with Linehan. He's had a different look in his eye and a different ability to get out there and make plays, and now I feel like, Either he's overthinking, it's too mechanical, or he's just getting older and he doesn't have that that gleam in his eye that I saw before where, yeah, he'd make some mistakes, but I felt like sometimes he'd win us ball games too. And that's what we need to get back to, in my opinion, is, is winning games and having a little more outward moxie sometimes more so than just – you know, at the at the press conference saying, oh, I think we're going to win every game or I think I'm going to score every time in the fourth quarter. Like, I want to see it a little bit more and see a little more leadership. But like I say, we can maybe tackle it again down the road. Grifka penalties, talk to me. What the heck? This, that's that's coaching. That, I mean, you always, you always hear the things, oh, the coaches aren't out there, the ones, you know, doing the holding. The coaches aren't the ones out there doing the pass interference. That's that's coaching or te- technique or, or something. That that's it's it's lack of discipline, really. I mean, that's that's what it always seems like to me. I mean, you you can't have it both ways and say, you know, it's not Pat, Matt Patricia doing it, but then you can't, you know, Lions fans can't go back and say, well, Jim Schwartz was okay with it. You know, he's he he taught that. He taught that. You know, maybe that's what it is. Maybe Patricia's trying to get him to be aggressive, and they do things like that, but. I mean, some of those penalties are just stupid. Like I mentioned before on the punt return where two separate guys, you know, 50 yards away from each other down the field are blocking guys in the back. Hold, hold up mean, to on that yeah, one because when you said that. that, like, to me, I mean, I know, like, you know, again, I'm a super fan. I'm a diehard. So, like, when I see those, I mean, at least the one that was close to the ball, I saw the guy doing where he's got his arms up and he's kind of shielding the guy off. But I didn't see a blatant block in the back. You can call a block in the back on every kick, and you can call a holding on every play in in the NFL. Like to me, it's so ridiculous to just have all these flags. And what was it? Was it Hockey Lee's son or something? I made a comment in our text chat. Like stupidity must run the family. Like to me, you just knew like every play there was going to be yellow out on the field. So I mean, you may say they were good calls, but to me, it was just a combination of by that point and just take the field with these little I mean if they were the blocks in the back that I think that they circled on the thing I don't like when these calls are made like 
that don't even impact the play. It's not like the block in the back broken from what I remember watching. And same with another call we're going to talk about here in a minute. Like, I don't feel like it impacted the play at all. And here we are just calling random ticky tacks all over the field. I'm sick of this. Hey, I agree with you. I hate when penalties are called, you know, away from the play when it doesn't matter. I, I totally agree with you. But, but that but goes you just back said to the coaching, old adage. Like, if... I mean, you said coaching. Like, to me, you know, it doesn't matter how you coach it. Like, if, if you coach it the way it's supposed to be called, but it's being overly called or it's being, you know, called even not where the football is, to me that's not – that's not how the game should be refereed. And like, to me, there's nothing a coach can do if good old hockey Lee jr. Wants to come out there and make the game about him and throw a million flags all over the field. And then the NFL, I love how every time after like a game, especially the games, the lions kind of get a bad call on them. It's always like on Tuesday, Oh, the NFL reviewed and they agree. It's like, I always laugh and go like, what, like when have they ever tipped their cap and really said they were wrong? Like they always go back and find a way to twist the narrative and say like, Oh, well this was here. Like it was a great call by the referee. And like everybody that knows and and understands football can see that and go, no, that, that wasn't a, a great call by any means. Like it may have been a ticky tack or some type of call, but the way they go back and turn it around to me is just ridiculous. So. No, I mean, the NFL is going to do that on, like you said, a week two regular season game between the Detroit Lions and the San Francisco 49ers. They're not going to, oh, yes. you know, if it's a big game. conspiracy, if, if go with it. Well, well, like you said, though, of course they're going to back the referees. Yeah. I mean, if it's a Sunday night game between the Patriots and Steelers, <laughs> I mean, we all saw that last year. Where was it? Their tight end, the Pittsburgh tight end, you know, that technically should have been a touchdown. Yeah. But then they, like, they overturned it. But it was Sunday night, Pittsburgh, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, they got jobbed and all of a sudden, you know, come Tuesday. Oh, we're so sorry if, you know, if we could change it to a W for you, you we would. But I mean, it, it's the Steelers. But to you me, know, that was late in the year between a uh, Sunday night game between two powerhouse teams that the NFL loves. I mean, so, yeah, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, they made a mistake. It was really this. But week two game Lions versus 49ers, you know, is a regional broadcast. I mean. Of course, you're going to be like, yeah. By the way, the ref made a great call. You know that that was a, that was a great call. So, yeah, you're right. You can say conspiracy, laugh about it, but yeah, okay. You know, like I said, I said it before. I said it again. The real reason the re- the the referees are back is because of the fail Mary went against the Green Bay Packers on Monday Night Football, <laughs> and Mike McCarthy was crying over his chicken wings at his at his press conference. Yeah. Okay, so that's why oh, it was amazing. How Tuesday, all of a sudden, we got to deal with the refs back. And they, you see it the next Sunday, Aaron Rodgers is like, oh, we wish we would have had you Monday night. Yeah. Like I said, if, if that game was a 1 o'clock game between the, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Arizona Cardinals, we'd still be sitting on the backup referees. So, okay. Let's, right. Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> All right. Well, Rook, uh, okay, yeah, we got to move to the next topic. But the only thing I want to say on that is, like, when you were talking about the catch rule, like, I think those are things that are just the stupid NFL rules. But what I don't like are these judgment calls. Like, you know, holding even blocks in the back are almost like a judgment call. It's not an actual, like, letter of the law, like, this is what happened. And that's what I get more frustrated with those than I do the, like, it wasn't a catch because that one in, in Pittsburgh you mentioned really wasn't based on how the rule was written at that point. But holding to me is just like every play you can just throw it because there's no like legit holding regulations. It's just like, oh, I, I felt like he was holding his jersey. Well, I mean, count the other eight no. on the field that were also doing that. But, and then like you said, well, the, don't get me wrong. 
no, let, let, let me let me go, let me go back to your block in the back here really quick. Don't get me wrong. I've seen blatant block in the back calls where it's just like the guy's head is behind, be, between the guy's numbers on his yeah, back. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so that's a block in the back. But those ones were like the where they're looking at it's like now if he has his head tilted, you know, at thirty eight degrees, that's going to put it on the front side of his shoulder pad. And like you said, that play is thirty yards away from where like the action is actually happening. You really need to throw the flag on that where it's so it's like so like. Do you really need to call that? But, is it you know because his head's not his, head, his head's turned to the right instead of the left? You're you're gonna call. But that? what was the angle? I mean, that's in your opinion. That's like to me, it was the, the the latter of what you just said. It wasn't a he caught the ball and someone destroyed someone in the back right by the football. From what I saw, look, see that was one of those where you're him right. Off. It wasn't like right the, the the first one down by the by the by by where Agnew caught it. It looked like when he broke back. The Lions defender, I don't know, I don't know who it was. The Lions guy was coming up and the guy was turning, the 49ers guy was turning once again. So it's like he almost got him like on the side. And that's one of those things like, no, if his head's turned off to the left, his head's in front of him, but since he was running down the field and his head was to the right, his you know, his head's on his backside, so there's a block in the back. But if his head was off to the left, it would have been on the front side of his shoulder pad, then it wouldn't have been a block in the back. You know, so that's like one of those it wasn't the blatant like the guy standing there and you know the lions defend the lions guy just ran him over from behind. You know, it, it was one of those the 49ers guy was turning to follow Agnew to try to make the tackle, and since the lions guy, you know, his head was like off to the right, it was technically on his back. If it was on, you know, if his head was leaned to the left, it would have been on the front side of his shoulder pad. And it was like, oh, he was in front of him. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna, so I'm gonna pull it that, up again at some point because I want to see it because I felt like he caught the ball, he took off. The blocks had nothing to do with the play. It's taken seven points off the board. And, like, that's what the NFL needs to get rid of are these these plays that are taking points off or that aren't blatant. Like, if, if Agnew catches the ball and a guy gets hit in the back and he jukes off that block and then starts making, you know, has some headway, throw the flag, no problem. But if he's running off to the right and there's a slight block on the angle side, like you said, on the far left's edge where he didn't even run to, you got to keep that in your pocket, referees. I mean, I just, I'm getting sick of it every Sunday. I'll see like a good play. And instead of being excited, I'm waiting to make sure there's no yellows. So we could talk about this for days, Grifka. Let's, let's move on. Um, yeah. Talk to me a little bit about this run defense of ours, because um, you know, this is the last big negative I have on my sheet, and then I want to do some some Oakryisms where I talk about a f- some positives I saw too. But the run defense, Swiss cheese again, Matt Breida and and others just running for days. I mean, that sixty some yard run, you just don't see those in the NFL where our, our safety got blocked for like forty yards down the field and just couldn't get off the block, and it just looked like cartoon practice. I mean, that was. That was another one where I was just shaking my head, going, "This is this doesn't happen in other NFL games I watch." Right, I, I don't know what's going on with this run defense, but it looks, it looks historically bad. I mean, they're they're they are the worst run defense in the league right now, and I think the Raiders are like the team right in front of them, and they are like twenty five yards per game or something worse than the Raiders. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is. It's just either it's personnel or we just don't have the talent on defense or maybe once again they're still learning this new scheme. But this is – I don't know what it is. I don't know what it's going to take to get this run defense turned around. I still think – I don't know if Davis is still playing like at the college level where he's not picking up on the guys who are slightly faster. You know, they're, they're tense you know, faster than what they are in 
than than in college because his angles still are terrible. I mean, was it was it, I think was it on Breed a sixty yard run? He just kind of he whiffed on him completely. Uh-huh. I mean, it was either that or the twenty yard run right before. And I can't remember. Maybe it was a twenty yard run, and Lawson tracked him down. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but that was one. that's just the angle was just utterly terrible. So in his mind, he's so used to like you know still college. I mean, he's been in the pro. I don't know if that's what it is or not. But his his pursuit angles are just terrible. And like I said, like I said before on a podcast, he's like running to where a guy is, and by the time he gets there, the guy's not there anymore. You know, he's not playing. He's not running to that angle. It's like, okay, this guy's gonna be here at this point. By the time I, he's got to change his, he got to change his pursuit angle. Hey, Grifka, because he's whiffing on blocks bad. Let's give let's give the people some actual numbers they can hang on to in regards to that. So, Jared Davis, based on PFF Pro Football Focus numbers. Uh, he had a 50.9 rating, which is 81st at the position. And then his run ranking, and they they do this out of 100, was 32.8, which is absolutely terrible. And his coverage was 61. So, like you said, there's the numbers right there that prove it. I mean, these guys watch every snap of every game and grade it out. And, like, to me, I mean, it didn't take an expert to watch Jared Davis sprinting through the backfield. You know, he's picking the right holes, I guess, but – there was at least three or four times I can blatantly remember where he sprinted through the line, was a half step late, whatever it may be. The running back's just blowing by him, and he's just sitting there in the backfield with his arms empty. You know what I mean? And we're seeing that too much. So between that and then we also I want to hit on uh, another guy real quick on a PFF is our, our rookie Frank Ragnow. I mean, he had a 43 rating, uh, 21 rating in the pass game, which is, again, absolutely just garbage and a 58 in the run game, which I mean, again, rookie, like you, you said your piece about the interior lineman, but this guy has to pick it up and be more dominant because, you know, there was a lot of leakage coming from his area coming in on our line, as well as you can't have our new rookie guard and also our, uh, our middle linebacker captain of the defense, both having terrible ratings and and not producing on Sundays. I mean, that's not going to, bode well in protecting our quarterback and and playing good defense numbers paired yeah, out it's bad yeah it's bad when kenny wiggins i thought actually had a decent game you know you know starting for tj lang i you know i was just like i didn't think wiggins had that bad a game i mean for yeah. him you know being in his position you know he's he's obviously not an all pro or anything but i thought he had a decent game and it's and it's and i realize he's been around the league for a while so he's that you know that grizzled veteran but you're right i mean you know frank ragnow supposed to be you know we we picked up this guy for a reason we drafted this guy for a reason because he was so good in college but you know he's missing on twist and just the, once again the speed of the game seems to be a little faster than you know he doesn't have his feet completely wet yet on this and it's and it's a uh, kind of a uh, it's kind of getting to him right now. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I mean, again, he's just a feeling. I heard TJ Lang is back, but, uh, at practice at least, but you know, I'm more worried about these core pieces too, that we've invested heavily in. Like I want to see that rating come up for rag now. And, you know, I was high on Davis towards the end of last year and I continue to be, and he continues to rate low or not show good instincts, both in run and pass. Like it's got to get way better. So Griffka, I don't, I don't know if you remember, I'm, 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 I'm I'm afraid if he continues like this, and I know there were slightly different positions. I mean, he could be the next. Was it uh, was it Ernie Sims? Remember Ernie <laughs> Sims at linebacker? Yeah. You know, I mean, he he came from like one of the. I think he was from Florida as well, if I remember. 
or no, Florida, you know, State. Florida State, but. Florida State, but everybody's like, how come he wasn't better? Because he was a he wasn't a read and react linebacker. He was a point and shoot. You know, he was just like he was like, I'm gonna run right at the guy, and he would blow right by him. And like I said, he was one of those things. He was running to where the guy was at not where he was going to be by the time he met him. And he was very point and shoot, and he just didn't know how to read it. And I don't, you know, like I said, and I know, you know, Ernie Sims was an outside linebacker where Jared Davis was an inside linebacker. But that's one of those things, they almost kind of seem to be doing the same thing at this point, where it's just like it's point and shoot. It's not the it's not the middle linebacker where he's supposed to read the play and then react to go get it. He's just like, okay, I read it. Oh, uh, oh wait! This guy's gone. You know, it's that's what he seems to be doing to me. So yeah, I I mean I knew you were gonna go with that comparison, and it's not it's not a terrible one, but I don't want to break my own blur break. You know, all you on earlier. Like I think, you know, we can make these like, you know, um, what am I trying to say? We can we can call these things out that we see, but you know. The guys played one year as a as a straight up rookie, basically started from day one in the middle, and it's it's game two. Like, you know, he needs to improve and improve, you know, at both levels quickly. And we also, you know, Frank Ragnar's only second game interior lineman. We want to see some more consistency or get what we paid for. So I'm going to preach right. patience on both guys, but also, you know, they need to start yeah, trending still, in a better direction. Right, I still have the ray of hope on these guys based on some of the things. Well, especially Davis, considering some of the stuff he did last year was really good, and I'm hoping he can build off that. But like I said, it's one of those things I don't want him to go down that road where he's just like he's just it's all point and shoot, and it's just like he doesn't know. You know especially in his position, you know, at middle linebacker, you need to be able to read that offense and read and react as opposed to just just go. I guess you know, like a wind up car. But there's there's part of like you know his leadership is a good plus for him. He's got um, you know a lot of speed which you can't teach. So he's got things that are good in regardless to kind of some of the plays he's making right now that we got to value into. But um, Griffka, can we end our, our recap here on on a few positives and then talk about the one big play that that really frustrated me as well towards the end of the football game? Sure. So a couple of the positives I want to hit on it. I want to say this first off again. I wasn't happy with the loss. I didn't think they played overly well, even though it was a West Coast game, all that good stuff. But what I did sort of like is I, I felt like we were getting some decent runs. You know, we had 10-yard runs, I remember, on multiple occasions. We had um, no negative runs. We had one run that was, a you know, a zero gain. Other than that, we were always getting positive yardage. The problem with that was, like, when you hear that stat, you're thinking, oh, good. But then when you look at the numbers, like we still, I don't even think, had 100 total yards. Game script towards the end. But part of me wants to know, like, had that game not got out of hand a little bit and we had to throw it, would they have been able to keep that up throughout the game and been able to post a really nice rushing average and rushing number? But I did like some things I saw, and I think that was, you know, something to sort of hopefully build on moving forward, especially, again, you know, LeGarrette Blunt had some good runs, but – we know who the guy is back there. And the sooner we start giving him the football and the sooner we start kind of using all his skill set, I think the better our run game will be and that O-line needs to pick it up. So I think that was a positive. And then, again, not going back to our big issue in the beginning, but about the time you had kind of totally quit on the Lions and I went total, like, positive and said, we're going to win this football game is when Matt Stafford started heating up and he started moving this team up and down the field every time, dinking and dunking, putting balls on people, like what a great touchdown to my Roberts. And, uh, you know, 
I thought that was interesting to see that for more of the game and not do it so late. Is excuse that and he was throwing five yard routes. Like he needs to keep that kind of same play level of play up. Thought Stafford overall in this game when you look at his numbers, three forty seven or so and three touchdowns. I mean, we'll take that every week, except for the terrible fumble. If he has that gone, that's that's a really good game for our quarterback. And, uh, you know, just want to do it for four quarters is the biggest thing. So react to those, and then I want to talk about the uh, the the TW3 interception that wasn't. Okay. Um, first, I have, I, I'm I starting to agree with you. Not starting, I agree with you. I think they need to feed carry on the ball. I realize LeGarrette's the grizzled veteran. They brought him in here for a reason, you know, to be the leader, stabilize everything. But I think from what we've seen right now, like carry on's the better running back. That's just how I feel. I mean, other people could feel the same way. And he's a rookie, so at some point I, you think he's going to hit a, hit the wall. Um, generally rookies do, and that's maybe when you bring LeGarrette, you know, blunt back in, give him the ball a little more. But I think at this point, I mean, carry-on just seems a little quicker, you know, uh, you know, hits the hole a little harder. You know, he's not a bruiser like LeGarrette Blunt is, but still I think his overall skill set, what they need, I think would fit the team better. Um you're right. Once again, Stafford. Once you know, in the second half, you know, really started to light it up a little more. I, I wanted to not to harp on bad again, but go back and watch the was it right before half where they ended up kicking the field goal. The play where he overthrew Marvin Jones in the back of the end zone, and like Chris Spielman said, you know, you, you, it's either your guy or not your guy. You know, so but watch that play. I think what happens is because I saw a replay of this also. I believe Luke Wilson is standing like at the two yard line with nobody around him. So that's one of those plays. If he reads it, you know, it, you know, he get hits Luke Wilson and nobody's around for like 10 yards. I mean, I mean, really go back and find that play and like nobody's standing by him. I mean, there's a touchdown right there, you know? So that's one of those things. Like I know Stafford threw up a whole bunch of things and I wasn't trying to harp on the bat, but go back and find that play. And I think it's actually Luke Wilson that's standing there with like nobody around him right by the goal line, you know, and that's just, you know, it's stuff like that, that, you know, we pick up seven points instead of just three, uh-huh. you know, and that's, you know, that's huge. I mean, yeah, the three points was huge right before halftime or whatever, but you're taking a touchdown into the half as opposed to like, okay, we got to settle for a field goal. So, but you're right. That touchdown pass to Roberts. I mean, I really liked that. That was, that was nice. And even Roberts made a hell of a catch. Uh-huh. I mean, on that. So that was I was uh, pretty pleased with that play as well. Yeah, like you said, and not to go backwards, but we didn't even talk about the overthrows by Stafford where he could have had some deep touchdowns. So at least, like, Marvin and some guys are getting behind people. But, I mean, those yeah, are other Yeah, to be honest with you, I thought, of, points, so. I thought about you when he missed those about our podcast before that saying that's what you wanted him to see him do. And it's just – and each one is just like like you said, you know, go, you know, go over the top, you know, hit Marvin downfield. And they were trying, but they the worst part, they weren't even close. I mean, he was overshooting them by five, ten yards. You know, it wasn't like, oh, it just outstretched his fingers. Maybe if he would have dove. No, those things were, like, not even close. So I, I really thought about you on those plays. Well, my beef with those or what I said in the past was, like, when Peyton Manning and was at the top of his game and, and Brady and Rodgers and those guys, like, you know, you said Matt Stafford elite earlier. Like, I feel like he's – in that middle tier right now or that second, third tier down. And it's because that when he has open guys running free, either like they were last week or even in the past where broken coverage or something like 
he this is gonna sound weird because like I feel like over his career he's missed a lot more than I would have liked. Yes, he's completed his fair share as well, but there's way too many times that those hands go on the helmet, and it's like, oh, I just missed it. You know, almost like you always joke about the running back and says, oh, I was this close. You know, I would have broke it. Like Stafford has those moments, and like to be elite, to be a top guy, you have to hit the balls that are open and at least two of these deep balls were open. So that, that was more my point is tightening up those, those things like you see the greats do. I mean, I, I can't remember how many times Manning would have a guy break and he had like a yard of, of, you know, separation, that ball would be right in stride. You know, he wouldn't have to stop. It would just catch him and he would house it. So that that's what I want to see. And that's what's going to separate him. But um, yeah, he definitely, definitely missed on those. So for as good of a game as he had, like, could you imagine if he hits a few of those deep balls, not only what the score is, but also uh, how much different those that makes on his stats and just what a performance it would be if he doesn't have three overthrows. And like you say, none of them were, that close they just seem kind of sloppy or just you know where's where's that 10-year top of the line pro quarterback they don't they don't miss those so you know like you said hate to go back on that but that is something that we didn't talk about earlier that was big impactful in this game so to end the recap Grifka I know you had quit you probably broke your coffee table I was hanging in there going oh man I hope they win this game so I can just hang over Grifka's head for his whole life and so they're coming back and it's third down. They got to get off the field. Jimmy G just whips this ball out to the left side, and and our our boy who we knew nothing about coming up in the draft, Tracy Walker the third, TW three, jumps this route. I'm going nuts. I'm thinking this is an easy house call, and then check minus for you, Tracy Walker, that you did not score because you all you got to do these fools all they got to do is run up the sideline and he scores. Instead, he cuts it back and gets tackled. I'm thinking, oh no, if we stall out or let's say something crazy happens on the field goal, we lose this game. I'm gonna just break my TV. And then the stupid flag comes out, holding on Quandre Diggs, other side of the field, like. Couldn't really even see it that much on replay, even though, like, Spielman, oh, yep, that's a definite holding. And I saw a screenshot on Twitter where it obviously shows not only was it not much of a holding, but it's within the five-yard jam route. I want to say it was it was two to three yards off the line of scrimmage is where this quote-unquote holding happened. So not only was it a really questionable holding, it was within the five-yard range. I mean, get out of town with that, man. It, that's just like you said, one of those game-changing calls that we just deal with when really, if you keep that in your pocket, not only do we get three and tie the game, I guarantee you the way Stafford's going, we're going to pop that in the end zone, and as long as we can get off the field on that game. I, all I have to say about that is, I mean, Walker made a great read on that play. I mean, when he when he dropped, when Garoppolo drops back, that guy looks so wide open. And I just, to be honest with you, when he threw it, I was like, when it first left his hand, I'm like, first down, because he was wide open. And Walker just broke on that and made a great read on it. And then it's just like, oh, yeah. And then, you know, you see on the bottom line, it's a flag. And then, you know, they go back and show it. And it's just like, and you know, I'm just like, I'm thinking it's like one of those things like off the line or a guy coming out of his break. But you're right. It's George Kittle. You know, then who talked crap after the game saying, oh, they held me all game. Okay, George Kittle, you know, I realize you think you're the next, you know, Tony Gonzalez, but let's, you know, pump the brakes here on your, your greatness. But he's all talking junk like, oh, they were holding me all game. You know, forget you, George Kittle. 
Okay, that wasn't even that great. You know, like you said, it was like a very ticky tack hold call. And there's like a lot of reporters afterwards going, oh, that was a junk call. That was a junk call. That was a junk call. Uh-huh. So, yeah, I mean, y- you guys won, you know, based on that. You know, I'm not saying you're right. Maybe something could have happened. The 49ers still could have won. But still, that that really that that just deflates everything right there uh-huh. uh, on that. So hey, a crazy comeback. But to me, again, the call is a bad call, not only because of what it is, but. It, it didn't impact the play. He never even really looked at George Kittle. His, his eyes were out to the left the whole time. It's not like Quandre shoulder pad and spun him around or ripped his jersey off. Like it was, it was very ticky tack. And like again, that's to me what the NFL needs to get rid of. Like I don't mind calls on the football or that are impacting the play, but these random like what I hate too are when they make these big plays or big turnovers and you get these illegal contacts that are just, you know the the full other side or they're really questionable. Like those have to start staying in their pockets. So these guys can play the game because it is football, man. This isn't the NBA. This isn't like, you know, trying to get their stars to the foul line or, you know, just call everything. So the game is clean. Like the NFL has to be a little bit gritty and has to let these guys get out there on the edges and even in the trenches and let them play a little bit. I mean, there's going to be things you can call all over the place. So I thought it was like, you just said a huge deflating call. I felt like, man, yeah. if they get that pick, they're going to pound this thing in. They're going to steal this game and get out of the West Coast with a huge victory, yeah. and it was taken away. Like you said, yeah, like you said, that was a hot route read, and which is because yeah. they knew it had to be quick. You know, it's not like he checked off the safeties and all. This. No, it was just like boom. He looked right at him, and that's you know, and you released the ball. I mean, you're right. I mean, he didn't even look at the other side of the field. You're right. It's just like, come on already. All right. Like give those, it's, give those holdings when, when he's scrambling and when our guys have been covering for 10 minutes and when it's 15 yards down the field, like then call that kind of stuff, but not on a, on a quick slant route out to the left. Like, I mean, the ball was probably in his hands less than two seconds and, and you're calling a, a holding three yards down the field on the opposite side. Absolute garbage, but great play by Tracy Walker. He really played well and rated well in this game. So positive sign there, but another loss, like you say, tried to give some positives obviously a lot of negatives in this game, but uh, it's another loss for the lions and we got to move forward. So Grifco, we took a lot of time with our uh, disagreement, let's say, and then also on this game breakdown, but uh, let's rush through a couple questions. Then we'll get out of here for this episode. Okay. First question. It says Grifco, this question is for you and it's from Calvin from Quitsville. He says, why wouldn't you quit on this team? I agree with Grifka. When it gets hard or doesn't go your way, quit. What do you got to say about that, Grifka? Well, that sounds like a you know, a wise man actually. I mean, but uh Calvin, uh you know, I, like I said, you know, and you know, I'm a diehard, but I've seen a whole lot of agony and suffering and uh I used to go to bed with a lot of tension headaches on Sunday nights during the fall because of my beloved Lions. Just one of those points now. It's just uh, I don't feel like getting my blood pressure up. I'm getting up there a little bit in age, and I don't want my family find find me in my man cave passed out dead from a heart attack over over being all angry over a Lions game. So call it Quitsville, call it whatever you want, but uh, it's one of those things where a doctor told me I need to watch my blood pressure and my cholesterol, so I took that <laughs> under advisement. Okay, we don't want that either, but I think I've, I've both yelled at you and we talked it through enough where you will not hopefully uh, quit as you did or, or go off on me. And, hey, Calvin in Quitsville, here's your question. You hear that? That's me crumpling up your question. Never write the show again. 
and uh, you know we don't need flitters on the Detroit Kool Aid cast. So next question, Grifka Jim from Ann Arbor wants to know: Will Matt Pat ever show any emotion on the sidelines? No. No, I think he's going straight from the uh, Bill Belichick playbook. So uh, Bill Belichick shows like no emotion on the sidelines. So I think that's what uh, what he's going for. So I don't see that happening. Yeah, I'm going to go the other way. I think that you know right now it's tough. He's kind of having to deal with the uh, negativity of the Detroit market, especially when it's not going well. And- Eating his way through those waters, but I think once he gets his players, gets his system, they start winning some ball games. I think you'll see some fireness, fieriness out of this guy. I think you'll see an ability to enjoy victories when they start to come. And I even saw a little bit of that on Sunday, where he was over there with his his defense or even the offense. I think he was over there once or twice, kind of talking to him, getting him going. Had that talk with Garrett Blunt after the play. So I think he will let his emotion out, but you're not going to see it when everything's going wrong here in the beginning of the year. So um, give it some time and, and let him kind of settle in and let people get off his back a little bit. Next question, Grifka, is from The Mac. And he comes from Chicago. The Mac wants to know, how are the Lions going to get consistent pressure this year with no big names on their D-line? That's going to have to be all scheming. They uh, they did an okay job uh, against San Francisco, I thought. You know, especially, you know, with their, their big defensive end, Ziggy, you know, out there. You know, stop me if you've heard that before. But uh, Stop. I, I, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think they did. They uh they did okay. They're, they're going to have to continue to do that. That's where that uh, defensive genius has to uh, come up with some uh, schemes for uh, Paul Pasqualoni to put on the field. Yep, and I'll just I'll just say to the Mac in Chicago that uh, you know the Lions have to get their scheme going and everything. But you know, at times in the NFL, you know, there's chances to get some some what I call blue chip players, and we got to find our opportunity to get those guys and bring them to Detroit because we need a flu blue chippers on that defense, especially moving forward uh, to really be able to make plays and, and uh, have a dominant defense, which I think the city would love and hopefully we'll get there. So um, next question, Griffin, we got two more quick ones and we'll get out of here. This is Chris from Ohio. Chris from Ohio wants to know why can't the lions get their run fits right? And why does our middle linebacker, Jared Davis keep missing so many tackles? I know we kind of hit on that earlier, but talk to Chris a little bit and just why you think that's happening or do you think he'll improve or not? Yeah, I think he'll improve. It's just, uh, once again, I think the speed of the game is just being a little fast for him. And, and I think he's doing more pointing and shooting right now as opposed to uh, reading and react. And so I think he'll improve on that. As opposed for the run, as opposed to the run fits, that's got to be uh, just learning a new scheme and maybe getting some uh, you know talent in here to run that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think you know he'll get better, but he's got to be more disciplined and got to be more patient or whatever this thing is, be able to get the run game tightened up. And then I just hope that his coverage gets better because that's my big concern is, will he be a guy that can cover some of these safe um, tight ends and, and running backs out of the backfield? And, and here's a thought lines. Like, you know, you had a really good linebacker back in the day that's doing TV. You might maybe down the road, might want to think about would this guy ever want to coach or come in? Cause you know, he seems to have some good, good pointers on the broadcast that he could teach some guys or, you know, lean on that knowledge if he's willing to spread it to some of these young guys, which we do see him at training camp and stuff. So maybe that's something to consider. Last one, Grifka comes from Barry and Barry puts that he's from parts unknown. Barry wants parts to know. Parts unknown. <laughs> Barry from parts unknown wants to know, 
why can't the Lions finally get a running game? I mean, it's been a couple decades now, right? Yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like you can see by the questions. I mean, it has been a rough couple weeks. Everybody's looking for answers with the Lions. But, you know, it is about that time. I mean, it's been 20-some years since we had a and a running back making plays. We'd love to find another one. A lot of other teams have found ways to get not only one but multiple good running backs in their team and on, in their scheme, and we need to put this to bed. So I'm hoping number 33 carry on. But we really need to start being productive each week, you know, get off that 100-yard, you know, game thing off our record and start scoring running touchdowns too so that Matt Stafford doesn't have to throw it in all day. So I, I think it's coming, but it can't get here soon enough, i got to say that. Agreed. All right, Grifka, well, we we fought. We uh, met in the middle or kind of uh, worked through it. We uh, gave the people a good review of the game, talked about a lot of other stuff. I think it's time to get out of here. So I want to tell the people that, uh, you know, we've had a couple tough, rough games here. We're heading to a big game Sunday um, against New England prime time. We're going to come back to you guys with another podcast, probably dropping Friday morning. I think, Grifka, one thing we'll do is, like, I'm going to get in the old uh, lab and, and see if I can't mix up maybe a new intro song for the Detroit Kool-Aid cast that we can maybe debut for the Friday show as we head into this game against New England because we gotta we got to change it up and hope this team changes it up and get a victory. Does it sound like a plan to you? Yeah, that sounds good. You know, change up the music, maybe change up the mojo of the team. Yeah, man, we'll see if that works. So, everybody, like we always say, um, thank you for listening. encourage you to give us a uh, rate and review on iTunes. That really helps us out with a lot of things we're trying to do here. You can check out the website at DetroitKool-Aid.com. Um, share it with a friend, all that kind of good stuff. As Grifka always says, drink it in, man. And uh, Grifka, anything else as we uh, as we head out here and uh, get back to the people with Pat's talk coming up? What do you got? Nothing. All right, Grifka's good. Like normally, keeps it short. I'm the guy promoing, so everybody from Oakry and Grifka, we want to thank you. Listen to Detroit Kool Aid Cast. We'll be back to you soon. Everybody, hang in there with this team. Get this thing turned around. We're out. Drink it in, man.